Dylan McDonald could have taken the musical Easy Road, being that he happens to be the son of one of the most famous pop rock artists in the business, Michael McDonald. But he didn't. As a proficient singer-songwriter, Dylan has paved his own road, one very distinct from that of his father's. You'll hear it in his music right from the start. He paints his music with his airy, Lennon-esque voice, as well as rich orchestrations that seem to bleed through the talents of his band, The Avians. to see that Dylan McDonald understands the music creation process, but as you'll soon hear, it's not all due to his dad's influence. His music is his own, and it's very fresh. Inside Music Cast is pleased to welcome the very talented Dylan McDonald. Hey Dylan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. And it was last year we had a chance to chat with your father, Michael McDonald. And, uh, you know, we spent some time during his interview discussing your music. And, uh, you know, at the time, he mentioned that you were pretty independent in terms of, you know, your process of creating music, meaning that, you know, he said that you don't really heavily lean on dear old dad. And, and just wanted to know if that was pretty accurate. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, um, I, I dig his input. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and we found out recently that we do work really well together. But for a while, I I um I was afraid to you know let him touch my stuff too much because I I didn't want it to sound like him. And you know I was really worried about finding my own sound mm-hmm. and my own identity. So I yeah, I was cautious. Right. But, uh, that's understandable. I mean, we we've uh, we've had Kenny Loggins on the show in the past, and and we've also had his son Crosby and. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know if you know Crosby, but he's uh, you know kind of in the same boat. Yeah. He, he at the time when he was putting together his own music, you know, he just kind of wanted to stay independent of of Kenny, you know, and uh, you know, and I understand that, you know, he just wants to find his own way and not really let you know dad influence mm-hmm. him too much and find his own path, you know, and. I just wanted to stick with this for a second. You know, music has been instilled in you, you know, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know, you have obviously two successful musical parents. And, you know, tell me what you've been able to take away from both Michael and, and your mom, Amy. Uh, watching my dad perform my whole life, it's like it's it's the one thing in his life that seems to bring him joy constantly. Mm-hmm. He, uh, even even when he has an off night, like usually once once he hits the stage, he's he's on mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> it's and it's not a job anymore and i so i think i i try to take that you know as they as they say you know it's never safe to assume anything but you know i'm thinking about which of your parents might have been more of an influence for you you know my first thought would you know assumption anyway would be your dad but you know has your mom been just as much of an influence my mom i i think i got my sense of melody from my mom and i definitely got her voice i think she she actually turned me on to a lot of my favorite music, mm-hmm. the music of the seventies. She gave me my first Zeppelin record in an Easter basket. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, and then, but you know, I get a lot from my dad. I definitely got. My rhythm from my dad. A Zeppelin album in an Easter basket. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty cool. That's that's cool. <laughs> I never got that in my one of my Easter baskets. No, I just got those little peeps. That's, that's all right. I got. <laughs> little pink marshmallows. <laughs> no Zeppelin, you know. <laughs> you know, your your dad was well into his music career before you were even born. But tell me what it was like growing up with you know a rock star dad who was who was known internationally, and you know, and somehow, you know, after Eddie and I interviewed your dad, I you know I got the feeling like perhaps it was. You know, your childhood might have been more normal than than one would imagine. You know, especially because your dad seems really down to earth. Yeah, he's very, very down to earth, very low key, and he's. Um, I think I got frustrated as a little kid. You know, sometimes about how normal he was. <laughs> I think sometimes I, I wanted a rock star. Dad. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about uh, you know, you know. We were talking a little bit before the interview about, you know, who might have walked through your door at any given time in your house that you might have seen, you know, um, that even as a kid you might have not even recognized. But, you know, do you have any stories like that at all that that happening? Yeah, when, when I was about six, seven, we were we were over at a friend's house and uh, we were living out in California. And uh, my uh, a friend of my parents um, were sitting in his living room and he just written a tune. He wanted to play it for us, and uh, I was I was messing around, uh, being a little whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he uh, he asked me to quiet down. <laughs> <laughs> quiet down, boy. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> he was, he asked with such authority, you know, and. Um, Anyway, we played this tune. I remember it was the first time I'd ever heard some, somebody sit down and play a song on acoustic guitar that just totally, like, put me in a trance. Wow. Like, and um, Interesting. turned out later it was David Crosby. I just knew <laughs> him as my, my parents' friend, David. Wow. <laughs> just, just Uncle David. Yeah, Uncle David. <laughs> I, think, I think he was Uncle David. Jeez. <laughs> Do you do you remember what song it was, or is that way out? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, it would have been like ninety four. 
94. And who knows? He may never record it. I don't remember the tune. I just remember I really dug it. <laughs> yeah, it's, amazing, it's amazing that those guys were such writers, you know, and and um, and quite often, you know, chances are what he sung you, it it never really saw the the you know the the recording studio or anything. These guys used to write so intensely and so much, you know. Yeah. You know when we when we listen to your new album, which was released last year, it's called um, "Out from the Door" by mm -hmm. you and your band uh, called the Avians, and. You know, it's pretty evident that you must really, really dig 60s and 70s classic rock music because it's all over this project. And, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, your immersion. You know, obviously, the, you got some Zeppelin in the Easter basket, but can you expound a little bit on, on uh, you know, how you got thrown in and started loving 60s and 70s? Gosh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, like, how I first, you know, when it was I first, like, realized it was, it was, the seventies or the sixties. Mm -hmm. I just, I think it was kind of backwards. I just started listening to all these bands. And then one day I realized they all came from the same era. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you liked, right? It didn't matter when it yeah. came. Yeah. And it was probably, you know, it's probably movie soundtracks or something. Perhaps. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, you know, I hear something in a movie and I'd, I'd look it up and find out who it was. And then I'd buy the whole album and then I'd get into the whole discography. And then I'd find out that, the person that produced that produced this person, right. kind of, you know, like that. I just kind of hop around, listen to a lot of music. Exactly, it's amazing how um, you know the music. If you really get into it, it it's uh, it gives you cookie crumbs that lead to so many other artists, right? Yeah, you know, and, definitely. And and sometimes I think that people really cheat these days because now you get the '60s compilations, you know, yeah, right, and the '70s compilations, <laughs> and nobody has to do the work anymore, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't have to put the needle on the record and listen to that entire album exactly. side to figure out what it was you like. Yeah. They never had the you know like the deep cuts on the compilations. Yeah. Right, exactly. There's always the good ones are missing, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know your music tends to have you know like we were talking about the the classic rock uh, vibe that you're really into. But when we listen to your album, when Eddie and I took a listen to uh, Out from the Door, it really has tends to have that a bit of that late '60s British psychedelic vibe to it, almost Beatlesque. No, yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does it? Yeah, I just. I, that's what everybody says. I, I wasn't really trying for anything. We just kind of hopped in the studio and threw it together. And yeah, I was listening to a lot of like Neil, I guess, while I was writing the tunes. But then when we were recording it, I was listening to a lot of Bowie. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that might have come out like later in the production a little bit. Yeah, you're a big fan of Neil Young, is that right? Yeah, I love Neil Young. When we chatted with your dad last year, I mentioned to him that when I first you had sent me one of your tracks, and I when I heard it, I thought, man, he's, you know, Dylan sounds like a young John Lennon, and your dad even agreed. And I think people tell you this pretty often, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't. I I know people that sound more like John Lennon than me, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> like like maybe Julian. That's right. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> you know, out from the door was you know it's your first project, um, but prior to releasing this album, you had written and created um, some other songs. You know, or was this your first effort? Um. Uh, well, I've been writing for a while. So yeah, I definitely wrote stuff before this album. But okay. This is the first, you know, the first album. Right. Um, and then I got some other stuff that has been floating around that, that's going to be on a new project. And then also a project I'm, I've been working on with my dad a little bit. Sure. 
So was your writing more deliberately, uh, were you writing for the album or were you sort of like collecting stuff that you had jotted down and and put some some um, some music together? I mean, was it a large span of time or was this uh, a focused effort for the album? Um, a little, little bit of both. Okay. It, I, I wrote some, some goofy tunes about aliens and then <laughs> I thought, you know, I grabbed some other tunes that might fit with them <laughs> and and I may have like deliberately written one or two more songs that I needed, but it kind of just came together on its own. And I was just kind of like, Oh, well this is, this is what it is. And this is how it'll work best. And it kind of just put itself together. Yeah. I feel like I was just kind of facilitating something that was happening on its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think we played this track when we interviewed your dad last year, but uh, let's go ahead and give it another spin from the album out from the door. This is she really burns me up from today's guest, Dylan McDonald and his band, the avians. When I'm with her, she makes me look like a millionaire. Oh, when I'm with her, she makes me look like a millionaire. It really turns me on, 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 on. When people stop to stare. When I kiss her, she makes me feel like it's my first time. Oh, when I kiss her, she makes me feel like it's my first time. She really burns me up. Uh, 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 uh. Night after night. Good night. 
tell us a little bit about your band, the Avians. Uh, you know, who are these guys, and, and uh, how did you uh, how did you come to uh, select these guys for your band, or how did it all come together? Um, well, they're, they're just all friends, you know, that I've known for a long time. Uh, the album is uh, it's got Daniel DeMonico on guitar, Dylan Morrison on bass, and Matt Luno on drums. And um, right now, currently, I'm playing. I got a uh, Ryan Winkle on bass and Kyle Tyler on drums and uh, we're that's that's who's in the studio with me right now working on this new project have you been playing with them long I mean you, you've known them for a long long time but despite or in spite of uh, the the friendship musically have you been playing a long time together yeah uh, well Daniel's been around longest guitar player and um, we've been playing together since what six so, like Five, five years. Oh, that's a long time. Six years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, your arranging, and you, you had mentioned that you get your melodic sort of talent in a way from osmosis from your mom, Amy. But you, your vocal arrangements, it, they really stand out. And there's one track that uh, I want to bring out. It's called Send Me Back to Earth. It's one that I encourage all of our listeners to take a look at because they're very complex, uh, you know, vocal arrangements. And... Um, you know, these vocal harmonies are sort of different, you know. Uh, did you, how did you construct the vocal arrangements or did somebody uh, assist you in the arranging of everything? Um, I, don't know, I just kind of messed around with that, that tune. I, I, th- I think I did like three different versions of, the, of like the harmonies on it. The, the lead vocal always pretty much yeah. did the same. But I don't know, I just kind of messed around with it until I got something I liked. Yeah. It it really works. It's I think. Um, is there another singer in the band who else sings with you, or are you only um, vocal? Uh, Ryan Winkle okay. did most of the harmonies on on that album, and he's now the current bass player. Um, and he actually has a band called Deacon here in Nashville. Okay, a cool album out. Well, you know, we were just mentioning the track uh, "Send Me Back to Earth," so let's take a short break and let's give it a listen. And his two kids 
And they spend their mornings out on the porch As the sun comes over the ridge well, Space has got great real estate But it's tough to get around It takes you almost half a year To reach the nearest town He said, oh You, know, you spent a lot of time and effort, you know, obviously creating the album out from the door, and it was released on, I, th- I believe, it was pronounced Chonin Records. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you know, the, I was talking, I was thinking about the business side. You know, the business of promoting and spreading the word, you know, about an album in today's record industry can be expensive and, and puzzling all at the same time. And you know, what did you and your record company do in terms of promotion? Try to get this album out there. Um, <laughs> stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. It's a new world, and you know, in terms of you know, the the record the record labels for the most part, you know, they don't have the cash that they used to, and it's more difficult to promote. And you know, there's there's more uh, obviously there's a lot of different options, but to to get it out to the masses is is more difficult than it used to be. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think playing live is 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 a big thing, as big as it's ever been, because. Right. 
there isn't a lot like you know if you're not on a major label which you know seems like that's happening less and less um you really got to go out and and connect with people well that's that's that's, on a on the ground level yeah that goes for everybody not just a not just somebody starting out in the business but that goes for you know the guys that have been doing it for 30 or 40 years you know that's the way they're making money is to go out and and perform live because they're you know, trying to sell an album and make a living off uh, record sales is a little more difficult than it used to be. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. How was the gig uh, set up uh, there in the Nashville area? Were you able to saturate at least uh, the area right there? Have opportunities to play? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we play whenever we can. And, um, I love playing Nashville. It's it's fun. I, it's, you know, it's good to have. It's good playing Nashville because we get a lot of friends and family to come out. Mm-hmm. Um. I love playing outside Nashville too. That's cool. We're trying to do that more and more. We're we're playing um, a festival in Santa Barbara, California, on uh, April fourteenth. It's called that's Lucidity cool. Fest. Oh, that's cool. And I, it's the first one they've done, but um, sounds like it, it's going to be pretty cool. I think they're already planning a, a second event. Santa Barbara is beautiful. I love I love that town visiting. It's Santa Barbara. It's neat. Yeah, I was actually born in Santa Barbara, so mm-hmm. I love going back there. Yeah, you know, the, there's some really neat uh, string arrangements that are woven in and out of the uh, of the, the album, you know, and uh, I mean the the sounds are really cool. They're ensemble sounds, orchestral sounds, and they almost resemble a little bit of ELO, really rich, sort of mysterious. But uh, can you tell us who who worked on the string arrangements. They were beautiful. They fit wonderful. Well, um, I had a friend at the time uh, who. Uh, knew this guy and he was a, a string arranger so we called him in um mm-hmm. tom howard tom and, howard yeah i know that name yeah and uh he's a really awesome dude he came in and um hung out with us for a couple of days and just listened to the tracks listened to what we had mm-hmm. um set up a keyboard and messed around with some stuff and um we just kind of went back and forth with ideas and uh but he was he was really quick and super professional and um, you know, went home, wrote some killer arrangements, and then yeah, right. a week later, we were in there cutting them, and he, it was killer. It was awesome. Really, I mean, it brought the whole thing to life. Oh my god, yeah, they're beautiful. I mean, this guy he really did a he he definitely left his mark on on your album. So, um, anyway, kudos on that. I really appreciate that. You know, it's uh, Tom Howard. You know, uh, just to let you know, it's I, I recognize the name because he's uh, he's actually a a solo c- contemporary Christian music artist there in Nashville. He's been around there for a long, long time, mm-hmm. and I actually have uh, either one or two of his solo albums. So I recognize the name. Very interesting. Yeah. You know, I just I just heard recently that you've uh, you've released uh, this album out from the door uh, on vinyl, and uh, yes. you know, that has to be. I was just thinking, you know. Uh, I, of course, I've never released an album, nor on vinyl. <laughs> but you know, have you? Uh, it's got to be an expensive process now to press records, you know. But you know, vinyl is alive and, and it's in demand again, right? Yeah, it's coming back, and yeah, it, I I definitely dig the way it sounds compared to digital. I I try to buy you know even like new albums that come out mm-hmm. uh, if it's available on vinyl. I definitely. Oh yeah, my my daughters. I mean, they're they're sort of like almost your age, and and uh, we were out in New York one time, and they went to a, a, a you know a record store, and and they they bought a brand new, well, a new Phoenix album that was on vinyl, 
and they bought it. You know, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And then, of course, the, the new Adele stuff, that's that's the 21. That's on vinyl, you know. Everybody's putting it on vinyl. Huh? And yeah. um, it's sort of cool, isn't it? It's great. Vinyl, you know, it sounds really good at all volumes. Where it's like digital, sometimes you know, you're in your car and you feel like you can't get it loud enough. Or, <laughs> I just, I feel like I'm always messing with the volume and I, I, I can never get it to like a comfortable volume with vinyl I feel like I can have it really quiet and I still hear everything. Yeah. I always have a problem with vinyl in my car too. It always skips. I can't get the needle. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I've got a, you know, a big end dash turntable. And he's, it just... he's not talking about the vinyl seats. <laughs> he's, talk, he's talking about the vinyl on the record player, Rick. Okay. Not, not the little bubbles behind your thighs. <laughs> Didn't they have like, like 45 players in, in cars? Didn't they try to do that? You know, I think I think I've seen something. I don't know if it ever like made it in you know in production. You know, and well, but I think there might have been something like that. If, it, if there was, it had to be on driving. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> if there was one, it had to be uh, included into the American Motors Pacer, which is now gone. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I was thinking since you're such a fan of of uh, you know classic rock and you know vinyl and this analog sound, did you record this album in, on on analog tape? No, I didn't, but I'm I'm recording my current one on tape. Oh yeah, that's cool. Did you you know you know about the are you a fan of the Foo Fighters at all? Yeah. Well, uh, you know their last album, the one that was out last year, uh, uh, I think it was called Wasted Light. They uh, that was recorded in Dave Grohl's garage, all completely analog. It was yeah. such, such a cool, and it was such a great sounding record. I mean, it really was. Before I knew that it was recorded in Dave Grohl's garage and on analog, I just <laughs> that's the one thing that really attracted me when I mm-hmm. heard that album. I thought this just sounds great, and it yeah. was it was all done analog. And in a garage, no less. I know. <laughs> How good can that be, right? And I love the fact, I think some of the early releases of the CD, when you bought the CD, there was a piece of the tape that was actually used on the album. They put like a little section of the analog tape inside of the, uh, the, album. Inside of the CD. Are you, you kidding me? Yeah. And I think you can still find those uh, out there. Probably not as, probably on eBay. You know, you probably have to buy it for somebody. Yeah. But yeah. Very cool. Very neat. Nice. Hey, um. I think we talked about how much you toured and supported the album, and uh, you know, I guess one question I have is: were you were you pleased with the overall success of Out from the Door? And and or, and Out from the Door. And the better question is: is how do you personally measure success with this album? Well, I, I don't think it's happened yet. <laughs> I just, I, like, um, well, you had to have some expectation. I haven't. Exp- I, I didn't. I, I don't really expect it to yet. I, yeah, I did this album when I did it because I. I needed to get it out, yeah. but I've always kind of expected people to come back to it at some point when mm-hmm. I do something else. Mm-hmm. Like, like right now, I'm working on something that's a little more commercial, and and I'm hoping to get more attention with that, and then you know, people discover out from the door because it's just you know, it's it's a goofy thing, but it was it was really fun, mm-hmm. and um, so I don't know, it is what it is. Well, that was a good segue because we were about to talk. We want to talk to you a little bit about these two new projects that you have in the works. And one, of course, you've you've mentioned it. One, of course, is with your band, The Avians, and you're working on a new album project. And the other is an album project uh, of originals and covers uh, with your dad. And so in, in regard to the new album with The Avians, are you going to keep a similar feel as the first album or are you kind of reinventing your approach for this one? Um. It's that's that's a hard question because people always tell me that I'm I'm changing the feel of my tunes and I don't realize it. Yeah. But yeah, I think this one's definitely gonna be different. I wouldn't. I don't even know how. 
but it's, it's going to be different just because it's two years later, you know? Right, right. <laughs> is this the album that you are considering that's going to be a little more commercial, or is that a different project? Um, yeah, I mean, by, by commercial, I mean, it's not like... I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah, you know, I think I know what you mean because there were some tracks on on this album that uh, you know were like five minutes and forty five seconds long, or five and a half, a, a little longer. You know, out of the out of the playability pocket. So I think that's probably what you're referring to. They're more yeah, more digestible, more to like you know standalone tunes. Yeah, and about three minutes thirty seconds, but it's mm-hmm. still a cohesive project. Yeah, um, but the tunes are a little more radio friendly. And the band, I think you said, it's not necessarily the same as your last album. You've got a couple of different pieces in place, right? Your bassist and your drummer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, when you're writing songs for an album, you know, either the last one or this one, are you are you primarily writing lyrics and composing the music, or is it more of a band effort? Is it is it more you, or is it, is it a more collaborative thing? Um, usually, I mean, I usually write most of the tunes myself. Yeah. But then, you know, once we get in the studio... We, we change them up and it, it then it becomes, you know, a collaboration, a, yeah, a yeah. band effort for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the writing I usually do on my own. Okay. You know, one of the new tracks that, um, that you're writing and it's called backwards royalty. It's sort of, um, how can I describe it? It's almost a, it's a sort of raw guitar and B3 sort of driven track with some really neat chordings and progressions. And, and in the song, you know, Backwoods Royalty, you know, you're describing a girl. My, I've got a question. Is this a real girl you're talking about? Did you know this is this chick or, <laughs> or uh, is this, uh, or how did this concept come to your head? Cause it, it's a very fun track. It's cool. Um, I mean, it, it was inspired by events, you mm-hmm. know, I don't, I don't. I don't know if that girl really exists or not. <laughs> She's out there. We'll She's, find out. Yeah, there's one that fits. There's a, a girl that fits somewhere. <laughs> hey guys, let's uh, stop for a second. Let's give everybody a chance to check this one out. This is the track "Backwoods Royalty" by our guest today, Dylan McDonald, and his band, The Avians. Fire hole 
So tell me, where are you in the process of uh, the production of this new album? Are you getting close? Or are you just starting? Where, where are you? Probably about halfway. Yeah? That's good. You look at- I feel like, you know, I'm always about halfway until it's done. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, probably about halfway. And then me and my dad's project uh, has been picking up, actually. Hmm. Might, might be done before this other avians thing. Um. Well, you know, but it might not. It's always changing. Right. Well, let's 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 transition. Let's talk a little more about this new album project with your dad. And uh, you know, earlier I had mentioned that when we spoke to him last year, he mentioned that you were you were pretty independent and that you really didn't incorporate him too much into the music that you were creating. And you sort of answered that. But now that you know, now that you're making music together, how has it been working with him? It's been great. I've actually been surprised, like. At how many things we see eye to eye on for mm-hmm. them, I mean for the most part we um, we get along pretty well in the studio I, I think um, our problems before was it was him coming in on my thing and now that it's our thing it's um, it's different mm-hmm. I don't know I don't get as defensive and, and he doesn't either mm-hmm you know when most people hear uh, or talk about the Michael McDonald sound <clears throat> and now you know, after anybody would listen to your tracks and think, my goodness, both of them together, you know, collaborating, what are they going to come up with? What kind of a sound? Because, you know, there's always that stigma of, of your dad's sound. You follow me? And, uh, and and what you're doing, how are you guys sort of, I'm sure you guys are feeding off of each other. So what kind of a sound are, uh, is your dad migrating from? And what kind of sound are you migrating to And in, in when you stir it all up, you know? I think... It's it's funny. Like I think I've kind of brought like um like a little more rock out of him okay. on this project, and and he's bringing like a smoother side out of me. I gotcha. It's like we're almost bringing each other out of each other in a way. Yeah, that, that must be sort of fun because you know it's just like <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's you know your dad's like you know he's is he play, I, I take it he's playing a lot of keyboard or a very little keyboard. How is the musician side the music uh, balancing? He's out? playing all kinds of stuff. He's playing. Piano, keyboard, um, in the ukulele, some, some ukulele. organ on, 
What, what was that? Uh, I was going to say any ukulele. <laughs> um, I think he did put some ukulele on. He <laughs> <laughs> really uh, put some uh, some dulcimer on something and some uh, accordion. Yeah, we've been putting all kinds of stuff on. It. It's fun. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie, and I uh, saw him about a year and a half ago up in Chicago uh, for that Dukes of September tour. And we were, I think one of the things that we loved about that show was seeing your dad come out and, you know, jamming on a ukulele. I think he pick up, picked up a banjo at one point and started playing banjo. And, right, yeah. exactly. And he was, he was like playing a bunch of different instruments that I just didn't, I, you know, just never envisioned him picking up. And it was very cool. You know, we talked to him a little bit, a little bit about that last year too. Yeah. And he's, he's going back out with the Dukes again this year too. Yeah, I think... Uh, Maybe June or something. Yeah, I think he's coming here. They're coming to. We're in Indianapolis, Dylan, and he's. They're going to be up here in uh, end of August. So we're we're anxious to oh, see that. Yeah, that'd be fun. You know, you know, talking about that album again. You know, it's a it's what I've read about it. It's the one with you and your dad. It's a combination of covers and originals. And you know, I know you don't want to spill the beans. You don't have to tell us anything specific, but give us an idea about the covers you're recording. Um. Well, I got I got him to do a Radiohead tune. Really? <laughs> Holy cow, that's awesome. That is cool. Um, and I'm pretty excited about it. It turned out pretty cool. That's really cool. And what did he get you to do? Um, he hasn't gotten me to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, not because he just, I had, I had a lot of ideas. And so I kind of cut all the tunes I wanted to cut. And, yeah. and he seemed all right with that. That's cool. And I, he had some ideas, tunes he wanted to cut. And then I had ideas of tunes I wanted him to cut. Mm-hmm. So, um, so his tunes have kind of been his and my ideas. And then um, actually, well, actually, that's not totally true. He, he chose two of the songs for me. And uh, one of them was one I wrote. And then another one, uh, um, Ryan Winkle, who plays bass with me, he's also um, producing the project with us. Mm-hmm. And um, he wrote a tune that I cut on this. Well, very cool. But you've also got, you know, you were just talking about the originals and uh, you've, you've got a few original uh, tracks on this one. And, and Yeah, I, I wrote this tune when I was like 16 and I, I don't know, I was pretty tired of it, but my dad really digs it and he's always dug it. So he got me to cut it on this project. That's cool. And, uh, we did it a little bit differently. I changed the key and slowed it down a little bit mm-hmm. and um, I'm actually really digging it now. So <laughs> Cool. That's very neat. Yeah. How often do you guys get together to work on this? Is this a full, pretty full time thing? I know he's he's busy. He's you know on the road and doing his thing. And and is is this sort of a project you're just sort of taking when you can get to it, or are you really concentrating some good amounts of time on it consistently? Um, well, me and Ryan um, worked on it, you know a little bit without him, but for the most part, we try to do it when all three of us are in Nashville together. So um, we've been getting in you know once or twice a month. But we've been getting a lot done when we do get in, so it's looking like hopefully next month or so we should be wrapping it up. Yeah, oh, very cool. What kind of musicians uh, will you be bringing in for the recording? I mean, I know you're at the beginnings right now, but are you bringing any uh, special guests or something like that on this recording or not? Um, mostly just friends. Okay. I think all the avians are on it. Um, That's cool. At different times different places and then what's what's your grand plan for this album or is 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 there a record company that's going to pick this up is it is it going to get distribution i mean do you are are you not even there yet we're, we're not even really there yet but it's going to be on shonen um, okay 
yeah, I mean, it, like this thing, it's it's starting to look like it could be a really cool thing. And it started out as just like, I don't know, I wanted to do a record with my dad just for fun. Uh-huh. You know? And then, you know, we figured we'd make it available yeah. somehow. But it's turned into something that we may actually, you know, really want to push. Yeah. Best we can. So yeah, absolutely. You know, about I was thinking about um, you know once this is all finished and you get the album out there, hopefully it gets distribution and it gets picked up. And you know, I was thinking about a, a concert I saw a year ago uh, where I caught James Taylor and his son Ben went out with him and actually opened the show. And then he came out and practically played on stage with James the, in, the entire show. Hmm. And I thought, you know, I was thinking about you and your dad. I thought maybe you guys could do some live shows together. Have you thought about that? Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. Any plans? I mean, have you guys talked about the possibility of doing something like that? Not really. I mean, it's come up, but yeah. You know, the reason I think the I, I love that idea, Rick, and the reason I like it is because you know what you you can draw from you know from your dad's name, but mm-hmm. introduce uh, from a marketing perspective, it could be really really cool. But I think people would be really curious. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really, really curious uh, to see what the, you know what Michael is doing with Dylan, his son. You know, yeah. on a stage together, yeah. which is rare, very rare. Yeah, but that's cool. I'll tell your dad we Eddie and I endorse it. No and doubt. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We don't have the cash to back it, but we endorse it. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, well, Dylan, it sounds like you're busy. You've got a lot going on, and uh, we really appreciate you spending time talking with us today. We we uh, mentioned to your dad that we really wanted to have you on the show, and it yeah. was it's good to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So, so greet your dad for us, and uh, and we'll be in touch. And and please keep us posted as to what's what's happening. Hey, uh, by the way, where can our listeners go for more information? Uh, go ahead and plug the website. Or where, oh yeah, uh, yeah, um, DylanMcDonald.org. Okay, okay, all right. And they can get your music there, or there's, where? Yeah, there's um, you know links to the album. You could buy out from the door on the website through iTunes and Amazon, and then also there's a link to order the vinyl. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, the vinyl. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, Dylan, take care. Thanks for joining us on Inside Music Cast, and we'll keep in touch, okay? All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. Special thanks to Dylan McDonald for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. We'd also like to thank our correspondents, Kim Riley, Brian Pearson, Scott Gross, Max Zape, Mikhail Ingstrom, Uwe Wright, and Scott Sheriff for their continued support and content development for Inside Music Cast. Inside Music Cast is powered by Cabello Associates and Earshot Audio Post. For information about becoming a sponsor and sharing your message with thousands of music fans around the world, please visit InsideMusicCast.com for contact information. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast. Inside Music Cast.